Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Lauren Twig. Lauren is a Dallas-based registered and licensed dietitian with a master's degree in clinical nutrition and a bachelor's in animal science. She works in corporate wellness and counsels private clients by day and runs her growing Instagram account by night. Lauren was born and raised in a family of farmers located in Central California and is an outspoken supporter of the agricultural industry. Growing up on a dairy and being raised around farming her whole life has given Lauren a unique perspective on food, and her passion is to work at the crux of agriculture and human nutrition to fight misinformation and give consumers back their food confidence. Lauren is on Instagram at nutrition period at period its period roots where she educates her followers about a variety of health topics, including the truth about the agricultural industry, education on where our food comes from, and the role that various agricultural products, like milk, can play in a healthy diet. In the episode, Lauren shares why dairy is a legit superfood, which types of cheese, yogurt, and milk are best to buy, common misconceptions about dairy that really drive her nuts, and more. Before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, Dry Farm Wines. If you're a wine lover like me, but haven't made the switch to natural wines, listen up, because natural wines are going to change your life. You see, alcohol manufacturers aren't required to post ingredients or nutrition facts on their bottles, which is how they're able to sneak in sugar and other additives. Fortunately, Dry Farm Wines has come to the rescue. Their natural wines are lab tested to ensure they're sugar-free, lower in sulfites and alcohol, and free from all industrial additives. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wine, even the most expensive conventional wines can kind of give me a headache and make me feel gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm Wines, you're going to be immediately hooked by the flavor and quality of their products, as well as their top-notch customer service. To get a bottle of Dry Farm Wines for just a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash thehealthinvestment or click through the link in the show notes. And one more thing, if you've been yo-yo dieting for years, but nothing you've tried has helped you keep the weight off long-term, I'm so happy you're hearing this right now. Outside of hosting this podcast, I help people lose weight for the last time without giving up carbs, counting every calorie, eating clean 24-7, or some other unfun extreme. Unlike diets, apps, and programs that only give you short-term results and end up sucking the joy out of life, I help you make evidence-based, sustainable habit changes and mindset shifts so you can drop those pesky pounds for good, feel completely in control around food, and start showing up as the trimmest, healthiest, most confident, most energized version of yourself. Learn more about my programs at thehealthinvestment.com, and don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. I always love hearing from you. All right, it's time to hear from Lauren. Enjoy. I'm 
Brooke Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Thanks for having me. I would love if you could, I kind of know a lot about you. I was just saying, I've seen your dogs on Instagram. I know you just went off to work on your own now as a dietitian and work with more clients one-on-one, but other people may not have followed you on Instagram as long as I have. So I would love if you could share some of your backstory and specifically what led you to become a dietitian in the first place. Yeah, perfect. Um, So my name is Lauren Twigg. I am behind the Instagram page, Nutrition at Its Roots. So never in a million years did I think that I would be, you know, running a nutrition company, working on Instagram. I definitely didn't think I would be doing that full time, Um, but here I am. So my background, um, I was born and raised in Central California and my family, I always just say they are a family of farmers. So my dad is a dairy farmer, but along with that, he also works in tree fruit farming, row crop production, um, tree nut production as well. So lots of different um, exposures to agriculture in my childhood. So I think because of that, it I always say, actually, because I grew up in the dairy industry and growing up, I think just around cattle and working with cows a lot as a kid, that instilled in me um, a really, really deep love for animals and animal care. So I actually went to uh, college and I received a bachelor's degree in animal science. So while I was working through my degree in animal science with full intention to go to vet school, um, I kind of started to get exposed to a lot of the misperceptions about agriculture. I think from people in college, you know, I grew up in a very farming heavy area and lots of families worked similar to mine. Um, And then I left that and I went to the big wide world in college and I just started to get asked lots of questions about, you know, dairy farming in general, food production in general. And I found myself kind of constantly being put in what I like to call like a myth busting um, Mm -hmm. position. And so I really thought to myself, okay, how can I answer people's questions in a way that matters to them, in a way that they care about? And the one thing that connects every single person to farming or to food production is nutrition. Um, So I switched my focus. I ended up getting a master's degree in clinical nutrition and I um, started my Instagram page to really focus on that exact topic. You know, how do, how can we connect with farmers? People have gotten so far removed from agriculture. How can I bring them back to farming? Um, And that was really why I started focusing a lot on the dairy industry is because I think 
that's one that gets a lot of uh, misinformation surrounding it. And that it's one that a lot of people are really far removed from. So I talk about a variety of things on my page, um, you know, nutrition in general, general farming. Um, I do a lot of myth busting around agriculture, GMOs, organic, non-organic, whatever it may be, whatever questions you have about farming. Um, that was kind of how I ended up getting funneled into this space is it really ultimately was the reason why I became a dietitian in the first place. Mm. It makes me think about, I don't know if it's a saying or just the idea that kind of the more you travel or the more cultures you're exposed to and you meet people firsthand, the better understanding you'll have of something versus if you're just watching a documentary or reading something in the newspaper and it feels so distant and far away, maybe you make different judgments about certain people or a culture or something like farming without actually knowing the people behind it or what's really going on behind the scenes. Yeah, 100%. So I'm going to, I don't know the exact title for this yet, but it's going to be something like Dairy 101 or something like that, because I feel like so many of us are kind of in that myth state, the the mythic state, like you're the myth buster. So let's get back just to the basics here. And what, first of all, is considered dairy in the first place? Okay. Yeah. So the dairy group, um, the dairy food group is actually a little bit unique. You know, it actually think of dairy as kind of an umbrella term um, and lots of different foods fall underneath that umbrella. So kind of the most, um, the, the ones that first come to mind are milk, cheese, and yogurt. Uh, those are very, very popular dairy products. Um, but then you also have a few other more unique products like fermented dairy beverages as well, um, like kefir. Uh, some people will call it kefir, um, but that also falls under the dairy category. You can get dairy-based blended beverages as well. Um, and also, interestingly enough, under the dietary guidelines at least, calcium-fortified soy milk and calcium-fortified soy yogurt also falls under the dairy category. And that is because it is nutritionally comparable to that of milk um, when you look at other alternatives. But looking at specifically cow's milk-related products, it's milk, cheese, and yogurt, um, and then fermented or cultured dairy beverages as well. It does not include, um, even though they are technically milk-based, Um, It doesn't really include things like sour cream and butter, things that are, uh, have been really, really, I'm going to use the word processed. I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, (laughs) Things that have had a lot of the nutrition of milk removed so that the product that it's intended to be can be created, if that makes sense. So like nutritionally speaking, sour cream is very different than yogurt. Um, And so those actually don't fall under the dairy category. So Dairy category in and of itself is a umbrella term for lots of different nutritious products that you can include in your diet. Interesting. So, because I would have thought, I guess the supermarket kind of labels things as dairy, even eggs are in the dairy section, right? (laughs) Which are not dairy, uh, but then they'll put sour cream and butter there as well. So when you're speaking of dairy, you're talking mostly about milk, cheese, yogurt, and maybe kefir. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So then why eat dairy? What are the nutritional benefits? You mentioned calcium, but what else are we getting from dairy? Yeah. So I always say, and I am not one that's really into uh, marketing terms or kind of these buzzwords. And the word superfood is one that's very, very popular. If I could put anything with a superfood label on it, it would actually be dairy products. Um, There are very few foods that are more nutritious, um, lower in calorie and affordable than milk um, and milk-based products. So when you look at the dairy category, and we'll start with just fluid milk in general, it has always been said that milk contains nine essential nutrients. That actually has been updated. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients. Um, Protein, it has about eight grams of high quality, complete protein. And that is so important. Um, especially in the conversation between real milk and milk alternatives. Um, Real milk has high quality, complete protein, eight grams, which is so important for everybody. Um, We know it has calcium. It also has nutrients like potassium, which are excellent for workout recovery. Um, It has phosphorus, iodine, all of these different nutrients in it. And the most important thing about it is that it's so affordable. Um, a glass of milk is roughly 25 cents. When you look at the whole, the total price per gallon and you bring it down to just price per glass of milk, it comes out to right around 25 cents. That's one quarter for 13 essential nutrients. So, and then obviously yogurt, um, a little bit fewer because as you, uh, process foods, you know, and create the yogurt, Yogurt is still very, very nutrient dense, Um, doesn't quite have the full 13 like milk does, but it still has tons of protein, tons of calcium, um, tons of nutrients that people benefit from. And also cheese. People are very quick to toss cheese out as a bad food because of the saturated fat content. And we really need to be careful approaching foods like that because at the end of the day, Foods are more than just one nutrient. And that is so important for dairy products because yes, cheese does have saturated fat in it, but it also has protein. It also has calcium. It also has all these other nutrients that are so healthy for our body. Um, So, you know, I, especially for kids as well, um, I think that including milk in everyone's diet It has so many health benefits and it's affordable. And so that's why I recommend it. And that's why I work so hard to myth bust because I feel that we are moving away from those facts and the reality that milk is extremely nutritious. And I think that's such a good point too, of this idea of superfoods that people will speak about that are terribly expensive or maybe alternative milks that are Mm -hmm. five times more, then we're getting into kind of this elitist health space where health belongs to those who can afford it. And then it seems like it's unaffordable for a lot of people. And because these things are demonized that are actually pretty affordable. Yeah. And that's something I talk about that so much on my page because the language that is starting to be developed around food 
is getting more and more and more and more expensive. And it's getting more and more and more unattainable for almost everybody. Um, and that's why I focus so hard on just giving people back ultimately their food confidence, you know, whether it's with milk or uh, milk alternatives, you know, including dairy in your diet or your kid's diet is perfectly safe. It's perfectly healthy. And if that's what's affordable for you, that's fantastic. Um, it's healthy for everybody, regardless of your income level. And that is the same for organic versus non-organic. Um, we are creating a language and we are creating fear around food that, like you said, is turning into kind of this elitist food topic, you know, and it, it's incredibly frustrating because it's simply not true. And um, I think it, it's not true to those who are getting so stressed about, oh my gosh, how am I going to buy all these fancy products? You know, this Instagram page talks about it or this influencer talks about it, but I can't afford it. Mm. What's going to happen to me? And that's just not, it's not fair. Uh, it's not true. Health does not have to be expensive. It does not have to be unattainable. There are tons of affordable products that are perfectly healthy and perfectly safe for you. You mentioned the fat in things like milk, cheese, and yogurt. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, is it important to be cautious of how much fat you're getting, would you say? Is it good to ever buy fat-free versus whole milk or low-fat cheese versus full-fat cheese? Where, sh where should we be looking for the fat content? Yeah, and this is honestly going to kind of come down to each person individually. Um, you know, certain health conditions need to be really, really mindful of their fat intake. Um, people who are living with health conditions, you know, if you have some sort of fat malabsorption, uh, being very mindful of the fat content that you take in would be beneficial for you. Some people who are trying to monitor their cholesterol level, being mindful of the fat content that you take in is beneficial. But for lots of people, what's interesting, like I said about the dairy category, is it is more than just one nutrient. So Yes, it has fat in it, but first off, it does not just have saturated fat. And I think that's something that's very important to point out. The fat in milk is extremely complex. Um, I had read that there are over 400 different types of fatty acids found in milk, uh, mm -hmm. different chain lengths, different saturation. Um, some are completely unsaturated. Some are saturated. Uh, one thing to note about milk fat is a lot of the saturated fat in milk is actually medium chain. Um, and that has a different impact on your health than some of these longer chain saturated fatty acids. So when it comes to dairy, there is a lot of research coming out on the health benefits of whole milk, which is very interesting because for so long, we have been trained low fat, low fat, low fat, um, and there's actually a lot of research coming out that shows that full fat dairy, because of the complexity of the fat in the milk, may actually have health benefits for an adult. So to answer your question simply, you know, obviously it depends and that's a very complex answer. But for kids, especially, I always recommend whole milk. When you introduce milk to your one-year-old, it should be whole milk. Um, they need the extra fat. They need the extra calories for growth. So mm -hmm. all kiddos should be getting 
full fat dairy products. And then for adults, you know, it kind of comes down to your taste preferences. What, um, what health conditions do you have where you would maybe need to be more mindful of fat? What calorie range are you trying to stay in? You know, as you increase the fat content of milk, you're obviously going to increase the calorie content as well. Uh, if you drink a lot of milk and you find that that puts you over an appropriate calorie range, maybe going to lower fat content uh, could be beneficial. But for most people, you know, if your kids drink full fat and you don't really drink a ton of milk and you prefer the flavor of full fat milk, you are perfectly fine to include whole milk products. I personally include actually a little bit of a mix. I buy um, one to 2% fluid milk, and then I eat only whole milk yogurt. So mm. you can mix and match. You can kind of do whatever you want. I know that's a very long-winded answer to your question, but it is a little bit complex, um, and it's very individual to each person. Right. So you were talking about yogurt. Is Greek yogurt healthier than regular yogurt or is that just a myth? So this is interesting. So I actually, I personally recommend Greek yogurt. The difference between Greek yogurt and um, regular yogurt actually comes down to how it's processed, how it's created. Um, Greek yogurt is more strained than regular yogurt. So when you kind of strain this yogurt a little bit more. Um, one thing that's different about Greek yogurt from regular yogurt, regular yogurt actually has a higher calcium content. So that is something to point out. And a lot of people leave that out as you strain Greek yogurt, which is, you know, it makes it more concentrated. It gives us this really fantastic creamy texture. Um, it helps increase the protein content, all of that, but you also do remove a little bit of the calcium content. Um, that's something to point out. I personally recommend Greek yogurt more often than regular yogurt because of that higher protein content that can be found in Greek yogurt. Um, I tend to find that it keeps people fuller a little bit longer and it keeps um it helps balance out some of those macronutrients found in yogurt the other mm. thing that i recommend for people and now i'm saying this and i'm completely losing my train of thought as i'm speaking um, <laughs> it happens to me all the time it's fine <laughs> I know. i'm like where was i going with this thought well because you're getting a lot of great info so then <laughs> I remember where I was going now. The other okay. thing I was going to say, when it comes to yogurt of all kind, always check the added sugar. Um, we can get very st stuck on, oh, well, Greek yogurt's healthier for me. But similar to regular yogurt, it can have a lot of sugar added to it. So be very, very mindful of that and pay attention to the labels, regardless of which type of yogurt you're picking. Try to choose one that is a little bit lower in added sugar. Um, I recommend generally Greek yogurt over regular, but I always recommend checking the label for the added sugar content. Mm, okay. What about uh, milk that has been processed to have extra protein, like the popular brand Fairlife, or milk that's been processed to remove the lactose, like lactate? Do you recommend those types of milk or just stick with the basic? 100%. I recommend all of them, really. Okay. Um, you know, so I am pretty simple. You know, I, I buy just your standard gallon. It has those 13 essential nutrients. But the nice thing 
about lots of these quote specialized dairy products, you know, like the Fairlife milk, uh, like Lactaid, they are all real milk. That's what's most important. They all have the nutrition of milk. They all have those 13 essential nutrients, but there's been minor tweaks so that certain populations can enjoy them. So Fair Life, I love because it has that higher protein content. If you um, find that you struggle with getting enough protein in, I love to see Fair Life products included. Uh, but again, they still include those 13 essential nutrients of milk. Lactaid is a fantastic product. It is so great. I feel like it's opened up the the world of possibilities to people who live with lactose intolerance. Lactose intolerance does not mean you need to be dairy free. That is so important. I see it all the time on Instagram where people talk about, oh, 70% of the population is lactose intolerant and we should all be dairy free. You don't have to be dairy free. There's lactose free products for you that are still nutritious. Uh, and that's something I talk about a lot online is kind of putting all the options out there for people because people with lactose intolerance may not want to be dairy free. You know, yeah. so lactate I think is fantastic. It's something I recommend all the time. Is that even true? That statistic that 70% of people are lactose intolerant? You know, I actually don't know. And I don't know if anybody knows the, <laughs> the, the actual true Percentage. Um, it is true that lactose intolerance is prevalent. Absolutely, 100%. That's true. Um, however, lots of these cases are self-reported that yes. I've seen. There's clearly lots of documented cases as well. Um, but I have seen lots of studies that get at the amount of self-reported uh, cases of lactose intolerance. I personally have friends who are like, "Oh, I cut out all dairy because I'm lactose intolerant." But then I added it back in and I realized that wasn't really what was upsetting my stomach mm. or something else. And so I think there's a lot of cases in that 70% that are self-reported. Um, yeah. But again, the dairy industry has 100% adapted. And okay, we have a large portion of individuals who are lactose intolerant. How can we create a product for them? And we've done that. And so even if the statistic is true, there are still options out there for people with lactose intolerance. And that's what I think is most important. What about people who are saying that raw milk is the healthiest and we should all just be drinking raw milk? This is one of my probably biggest pet peeves oh. ever. <laughs> okay. Let's yeah. hear it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm saying all of this and I grew up in the dairy industry. I grew up with lots of families who drink raw milk. Okay. Um, People who were raised on pasteurized milk, who have always had pasteurized milk, they absolutely should not be drinking raw milk. Raw milk is not, it's not even legal to sell it across state lines because it is such a food safety risk. You are 150 times more likely to get sick from raw milk than pasteurized milk. And I think a lot of the mis the misinformation that comes with this topic is first off, what is pasteurization in general? Um, pasteurization is a heating process. 
it's used on more products than just milk. You know, it's used on a lot of juices. It's used in wine. Um, so it's used on more than just dairy, but it's very, very prevalent, obviously, in the dairy industry. Um, and you heat the milk with the intent to um, inactivate some potentially harmful pathogens that could be living in the milk. And the reality is, the dairy industry is very clean. They do their absolute best. But at the end of the day, you are dealing with a very functional product. You are dealing with live animals. Um, and there is a risk for there to be pathogens in the milk. That is why we heat it. It is a process that we have put in place that has saved so many lives because we are now able to create a safer product. When you pasteurize the milk, there has been no nutritional difference found between unpasteurized and pasteurized milk. Mm. That is very important. People all talk about how, you know, you can't digest pasteurized milk, all of this. It's not true. You absolutely can digest pasteurized milk. The one difference that has been found um, is in the vitamin C content of milk. Vitamin C is not a heat-stable vitamin. It's actually a very finicky little vitamin. Um, and so when they heat the milk, the vitamin C is removed mm. from milk. However, milk itself is not a good source of vitamin C. So you <laughs> right. should stick with citrus, you know, <laughs> or something that we know has vitamin C in it. But I absolutely do not recommend raw milk. The risks that have been well-documented, that are well-known and well-studied, far outweigh any of the benefits that people talk about. And there have really not been any scientifically proven benefits of drinking raw milk. Mm, okay. so I caution against it 100%. Absolutely do not give it to your children. Do not drink it if you are a pregnant woman, if you are immunocompromised, or even any, any elderly family members, people who absolutely cannot get sick, um, it's not worth the risk. It absolutely is not. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really good to know. What about, I think people in the same camp may be saying we should be concerned about the hormones in milk or dairy in general. What, what's that argument? So this is kind of an interesting conversation because first off, there are hormones in milk. There are, um, naturally occurring hormones, but there are hormones in almost every single thing that we eat. I always tell everybody if it's had a life, it has hormones in it, um, including plants. Plants mm -hmm. also have hormones in them. Uh, look at any soy product out there, right? But not just soy, other plants as well. So it's interesting to me that people really try to hone in on the hormones of milk when every food product has hormones in it. Mm -hmm. um, so most hormones are proteins. Um, your body digests, it breaks them down just like any other protein it comes across. Uh, you know, there haven't really been any um, super concerning findings with the hormones in milk. You know, lots have been shown that it really doesn't impact the human body the way that people like to think it does. Um, this also gets kind of into that RBST conversation. That's a very, very popular conversation. And what RBST is, 
It stands for recombinant bovine somatotropin, and it is a naturally occurring hormone. Sorry, bovine somatotropin is a naturally occurring hormone found in cattle. Um, it helps with milk production. And so way back in the day, farmers found that if you gave extra of this naturally occurring hormone, if you gave extra of it, the cows would produce more milk. Um, so RBST, recombinant bovine somatotropin, was invented and approved. Um, and it was used in production for a while, but it got so much backlash from consumers and farmers got so much better at feeding their cattle, you know, selecting for good genetics, uh, really keeping their cows healthy and comfortable, that eventually milk production increased naturally on its own. And there's really no need for RBST. So majority of farmers don't use RBST at all anymore. And you'll see on the label on your gallon of milk, like, you know, from cows, not treated with RBST. And then you'll see way at the bottom, there was no significant difference found between the milk of cows treated or not treated with RBST. And that's mm. true. That's the reality. It's been very well studied. Um, the milks were the same, but there was a lot of consumer pushback. So it's not even really used in production anymore. Um, and that's something that I find comes up a lot with the hormone conversation. But to answer your question in short, no, you do not need to worry about the hormones found in milk. There are hormones in everything that you eat. And we don't need to worry about that because our bodies are designed to process and handle. Um, and it's amazing. Our bodies are actually very well equipped. They don't need a ton of intervention on our end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some of the doozy questions now. Uh, I know awesome. animal rights activists and documentaries, there's a lot of strong opinions out there about why we shouldn't be eating dairy from the perspective that it's animal cruelty or you know, there's just a lot of arguments out there. So which would you say are true, which are kind of true, which are completely false? I'll just kind of let you take this however you want. This is a difficult question to answer because first off, there's about, I mean, there's like thousands of arguments that people come at me with. Um, at the end of the day, your diet, the foods that you choose to include are your choice. They are your decision. Um, you get to choose what you feel good about. But I do think those decisions should be based on facts and not fear. So if you are watching a Netflix documentary that scared you into going dairy-free, I recommend that you at least pursue finding information from a farmer itself. A lot of the arguments that I see coming from the vegan side of things or the animal activist side of things, um, a lot of them stem from general misunderstanding of the dairy industry. So I have seen tons of images, for example, um, of standard practice on a dairy that has been twisted into some sort of animal abuse situation. Um, and that's simply not true. If you would ask a farmer, Hey, what is happening in this picture? The farmer would probably be able to answer like, Oh yeah, you know, this is a completely, uh, harmless procedure that we use. For example, trimming hooves. Sometimes if you catch it at a certain angle or you make it, you can make a picture look a certain way, but 
trimming a cow's hooves is actually for animal comfort um, and to reduce the risk for injury. So um, when I think about specific arguments, ones that get at animal care, um, I think a lot of activist arguments in relation to animal care do stem from situations where uh, poor animal management has been shown. So one thing that I think is true of activist arguments is that not all farmers are perfect. Um, there are people who unfortunately don't follow the rules, who uh, don't follow the recommendations, who don't participate in the um, programs that farmers participate in that prioritize animal care. And I feel that a lot of times activists like to take those specific situations and turn it into the entire industry. And that is what is not true. At the end of the day, cows are the farmer's investments. 100%, they spend so much money on purchasing their cows, feeding their cows, keeping their cows healthy, keeping them comfortable. Um, it does not make any sense to say that all farmers miss you know, treat their animals. That is not true. I have seen it with my own eyes, the animal care that goes on on farms. So I think that lots that get at the animal care side of things um, stem from a very small percentage of farmers who didn't do what other farmers do. And I find that very unfortunate for the industry as a whole. I know it's extremely frustrating for other farmers who are doing everything right, who put misters out by their cows, who have massage rollers by their cows, who spend so much money on feed and clean water and veterinary bills and all of that to uh, keep their cows healthy and comfortable. It's very frustrating to be lumped in with people who chose not to follow those rules. Um, so I kind of look at it from that perspective. From a nutritional perspective, like I said, there are very few foods that can top the nutrition of dairy. So I can debunk that one basically all day long. Um, <laughs> all, all you have to do is like, look at the nutrient makeup of milk. I mean, Come on. Um, other ones that I hear people bring up is that we are the only animal that drinks milk. That's not true. There are plenty of other animals that drink milk. Um, they all, the other thing is, is we are the only mammal or the only animal that wears clothes or that's able to research or understand nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, we're the only ones that are able to analyze food products and find out what's good for us and what gives our body the nutrients that we need. We're the only animals that know what nutrients we need. You know, so I find that uh, argument to also be a little bit baseless because we're the only mammal that does a lot of things. and. I don't find that to be a good reason to omit such a nutritious product from your diet. Yeah. We're the only animal that drinks Jamba juice, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that exactly. drives cars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You could go down a whole rabbit hole with that one. Yeah. And like I said, you know, at the end of the day, your diet is your choice, but I do think that you should Consumers need to be very, very intentional to not fall down rabbit holes of, um, you know, 
documentaries or these like scare tactics that I see lots of activist organizations use, it's very important to kind of counter check some of the facts that you've been given. I can't tell you how many times um, I have former vegans uh, send me, you know, just a little bit about their story online. And they're just like, I wish I had found your page earlier because I have lots of these questions and I completely fell into the trap um, of these activist organizations. And I am all for animal care. I am all for treating animals properly. I wanted to go to vet school. I love animals. I love um, keeping them comfortable and healthy and happy, but so do farmers. And I think that that's really important to get across to as many people as possible. What about when people say that breeding dairy cows is harmful for the environment? So this is another thing that I find very interesting because dairy, at least in the United States, so agriculture, um, all of agriculture is about 8% of emissions in the United States. Dairy specifically makes up only 2% of that. So it's very small when you look at like emissions in general. Um, I find that to be a very interesting argument. And those are people who um, I think aren't really looking at the numbers. These are also people who like to keep their houses on like 60 degrees <laughs> when it's the summer outside, you know, what we do, what we drive, how we cool our homes, the energy that we use has a far more uh, significant impact on the environment than the dairy cows do. We also have created, you know, this industry that has way less cows. It uses way less land. It uses way less water and it's producing more product. So the dairy industry continues to advance. They have goals to be completely carbon neutral by 2050. Um, so there are lots of sustainability goals in the dairy industry that I think don't, you know, when you come with questions like, oh, it's bad for the environment. Every single production industry has an impact on the environment, but the dairy farmers are really, really great at using natural resources as many times as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I think that there's always room to get better. There's always room to um, do more or use less. And the dairy industry is moving in that direction. Do you have any favorite brands of dairy just for, you know, let's say they take very good care of their animals or they're following these kind of sustainability practices? If somebody is still kind of hesitating, are there brands that are your go-tos? You know, that's a difficult question. I need to think about that one, actually. Um, most dairy in the store that you find, they are generally a part of a co-op, which is like a large organization. And these co-ops all follow sustainability goals. So as a whole in the United States, the dairy industry has these sustainability goals. So you can feel pretty confident um, with the milk or the products that you buy at the store, knowing that first off, it likely came from a family just like your own. Um, like 97% of dairies are family owned. So, you know, you can feel comfortable with that. Most dairy in your store came from within 
200 miles. Uh, dairy is obviously a highly perishable product, so you can feel pretty confident knowing that you're likely supporting local. Um, and almost all dairy farmers have those sustainability goals in mind. Um, as far as specific brands, lots of them, if you find, you know, your favorite brands online, or if you find them at the store, most of them have their sustainability goals kind of on their website where you can easily research it as well. Mm, okay. That's good to know. One other question I was curious about, cause you were talking earlier about people kind of self-diagnosing the lactose intolerance. I mm-hmm. see a lot of people posting, Oh, my skin got totally better and cleared up. I have no more acne. Once I eliminated all dairy, can you kind of touch on that? Yeah. Um, so the dairy and acne question is one that I get asked a lot. Um, linking food to skin is a very, very, very difficult, uh, thing to do in research. So lots of what I have seen when I researched this topic, um, is observational studies and you cannot draw conclusions from observational studies. So a lot of what I hear um, is kind of anecdotal. You know, it's it's individual to each person. So some people might see their skin clear up when they either reduce or remove dairy from their diet, where other people might not see any impact at all. Um, I do recommend, you know, if you if you struggle with acne, there's lots of things that come into play with skin health. So if you want to play around with your diet, I always recommend keeping a food diary, you know, and try um, omitting for one month, you know, keep a log. How did your skin respond? But it's important that you don't change really anything else about your diet so that you can actually get down to what works and what doesn't. And if after a month it doesn't work, and you want to add it back in, it's important to add those foods back in so that you still get the nutrition. Mm. Um, I have not found any direct link with acne and dairy. That does not mean that it might not work for you. Um, There has been some research that shows that low-fat dairy may cause um, a little bit more of like an oil release in people's skin, which could cause acne for some people. So as you can hear, you know, it's lots of, it may do this and then it may cause this in some people. And that's kind of the way it goes with the dairy and acne story. So lots of that research, like I said, is observational. Um, and lots of the stories that I hear are anecdotal. Doesn't mean it might not work for someone, um, but it is going to be individual. Right. And what I'm hearing is maybe if you don't do well with low fat, maybe even trying whole milk. Yeah. Yeah. So not just thinking I can't have any dairy, just kind of, you know, they're similar, but different. So maybe trying to kind of experiment with that instead of just cutting out the whole group and all of its nutrition. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Well, the final question I ask each of my guests is based on the title of the podcast, and it's, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? I thought about this one a lot, actually. Um, So when I think about making the health investment and what that phrase means to me, it's so much more when I think a lot of times when we think investment, we think money always, Um, but it's everything. It's time, effort finances, all of that. So putting your health first and 
making investments from all of those categories, setting aside the time to pursue your health, um, you know, setting aside resources to pursue your health. That's what I think of when I think health investment is really kind of putting your health as number one priority and creating an environment that um, prioritizes your health and health-seeking behaviors. I love that answer. And just as you were talking about it, I was thinking of all these budgeting apps that we usually say, oh, this much for gas, this much for restaurants. But how often are we putting a piece of the pie towards things that will help us improve our health, whatever those may be for us individually. I love that. Yeah. Well, where can listeners, you mentioned your Instagram, but you can mention again, I'll put all the links in the show notes. Where's the best place for everyone to follow and find you? Yeah. So I am on lots of social media platforms. My main platform is Instagram, nutrition at its roots. You can follow me there. Um, I'm on TikTok where I share a lot of recipes. You can find my recipes on Pinterest Um, all of my handles are nutrition at its roots. Um, if anybody wanted to work together, I do work with clients, um, for whatever nutrition goal you may have. I work with clients. You can view my website, www.laurentwignutrition.com. Um, and you can reach out to me if you have any questions related to food or farming or your health, you know, you can send me a message on Instagram. Um, and I can kind of help help you out and get some of your questions answered. Awesome. I love that. Uh, I think I just found you on TikTok. I recently just got on TikTok as well. It's, yeah. a, whole, it's a whole thing, huh? <laughs> oh, it's a whole thing. And it's like a whole, I feel like I just figured out how to do reels. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, now I got to figure out how to do TikTok. I mean, I know. I'm totally different. So. I know. I'm trying not to become a technology dinosaur and just say, oh, this is what I do and I don't do anything else. I'm trying to, you know, be adaptable, but it's a lot. Yes. It's a lot to keep up with. And I feel like you get the hang of one thing and then you're on to the next. Totally. Well, I'm glad it's not just me feeling that way. No, no. I'm with you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. I'm so grateful for all of the wisdom you shared with us today. And I look forward to staying connected with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.